Hello again, friends. It's a Locked on Minnesota and Locked on Twins postcast after your Minnesota Twins fall 6-4 in game one of the ALDS. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. I am joined by the proprietor of zone coverage, Tom Schreier. You can follow him on Twitter at tschreier3. Mr. Schreier, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. Other than that, I had to drive uh, from Hugo back to uh, back home here to Minneapolis, and it was a little, little longer than I thought. I left trying to think before the eighth inning it's not like there was a lot of traffic i was just very far away from home so um watched a lot of this on my phone and it's very funny to have like five or six adults standing around a table at a kid's birthday party <laughs> watching watching a phone but i'll say this like there are a lot of people there like i haven't watched a lot of the twins this year and stuff like that and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that like if you if you win a playoff series for the first time since 02 playoff game since 01 is or sorry 04 as everyone kind of is citing here you do get you you make fans you know what i mean like you like even mm-hmm. casual people who who maybe are more vikings fans and more wolves fans or something like that are kind of locked in so um so yeah it was kind of funny to watch uh watch a baseball game off my phone with like five adult men yeah so well today's postcast is brought to you by Jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com tom twins fall six four they make it interesting for a little while there um really that run that the astros pushed across in the seventh made the ninth feel like it was going to be pretty tough against brantley i want to talk first about though the starting pitcher decision that was made to go with bailey ober And I think a lot of it (laughs) circled back on the fact that Joe Ryan had a spell. And again, he was battling an injury where he really gave up a lot of home runs. So the thought was, hey, maybe don't pitch him in a ballpark where they hit a lot of home runs. It it reminded me a little bit of the Jake Odorizzi, Randy Dobnek switcheroo between New York (laughs) and Minnesota back in 2019, although not quite to the same level. But Bailey Obert supposedly less likely to give up homers. Guess what he does on the first I know. of the game. Tom, how did you feel? I, sometimes you just you have this omen with the first inning, but how about the yeah. first pitch? Like, oh, man, man. No, it was it was funny. So, again, I kind of referenced, I was at a, uh, a personal function here at my friend's uh, kid's birthday party, and so I'm driving up. I'm listening on the, on the air. Um, obviously, I mean, baseball is one of the best sports to listen, but, like, it's so jarring. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of sitting there being like, Hey, I'm kind of getting to the game and trying to get the feel. What's it like at the park, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it, it's, you know what I mean? It's that sudden, it sets a tone. And I think here's the thing. There's a little bit, the Astros just have this advantage of you can start Verlander. That's the advantage you get when you're not a wild card team. Um, we can get into the over decision. I think it's probably it's it's in part maybe Homer prone, right? With with Joe Ryan, yeah. although we know that was that was groin uh, injury related, and that maybe his season would look a little differently if after the Atlanta game he would have just been like, "Hey, I'm injured." Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm an over guy in the sense that great developmental success story. Um, I think he has the poise to pitch in playoff games. He's a great fourth starter. Like that is a mismatch, no matter how you, it, yep. the fact that Verlander is like 40 or whatever and dotting 95 around the strike zone is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that guy's just, he's such an unbelievable pitcher. Um, 
But I think as much as the Astros don't have much to prove here, right, given their track record of success, like this is a Twins team that is riding momentum. Like the only advantage you have in playing those wild card games, that they were at home, that you picked, that there's the euphoria with this game, but like in that first game and, and kind of what he inspires in people. And then that you have this kind of tense second game that you pull off, right? And I think the Astros have been here before. Altuve won't have trouble swinging at the first pitch. They should be aggressive. They're at home. They want to get the fans behind them. So it's really tough on the first pitch, not just only for the pitching matchup and for Bailey over himself, but the fact that you're out there, you're out in Houston, all of a sudden the fans are going crazy. And for a while there, it looked like it could be a blowout. Jeff Passan tweeted as the game ended, that's 12 straight wins for the Astros in home divisional series game. So it, it is a little derivative of a, a stat. But the Twins knew that they were coming into basically uh, a hornet's nest, mm-hmm. if you will. And, and they, I think they handled that initial sting, stung back, and showed some moxie. They had some play appearances I really didn't like. There were a few calls I didn't like, especially that called strike three to Jorge Polanco that hugged the inside of, uh, let's just say, the chalk. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, you you come in knowing it's going to be difficult against the Astros at home, no matter what. You still hope you can steal one. You got your best guy going before the series comes back to Minnesota. Um, And we'll get into that in a bit because it's going to be a lefty-righty matchup, and it's it's not going to be as much of an upper hand for one side or the other, but twins one for 12 with runners in scoring position that the runners runners in scoring position statistic cuts two ways. You have a lot of opportunities, which means you had guys on, there'll be games where you don't score any runs and you're over 12. And there'll be games where you'll score no runs and you're over four early in the game. Justin Verlander gave them a shot um, you know, he just, he did not quite have his a plus stuff. And I think he told Tom Verducci that when he came out, it was just like, once he got that feel for that curveball and could put it where he wanted it to, uh, at that point it was just, you know, uh, let's play, let's go. And so I don't know. I mean, again, I, I I'm, I came into this game, not feeling really good about it and the twins lost. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I'm any more likely or less likely to freak out or see fans freak out? That's what I'm trying to kind of figure out here. What is your read kind of on like, do, do you see twins fans understanding that this was going to be a difficult game, no matter what, or are they still kind of, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling, that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't think winning a wild card series as much as it, it literally is like historic exercises, all the demons. I think it satisfies a lot of that. I, you know, I, I actually really felt that, this is going back to the wild card series, but like when Royce Lewis, most of the players and it's probably fine, but they walk out of the dugout when they're introduced and just go kind of like high five with their you know teammates and kind of go stand in line and Royce Lewis. And it's just very genuine. I don't, I asked him after the game, if he thought about it, he said he didn't. Um, he just turned around and amped up the crowd right through his hands up. And I think that, that and the two home runs he hit go a long way to go and hate, just trust me. You know what I mean? Like I'm good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. even with the hamstring issue and you see it when he's trying to leg out, you know, single or whatever, he, he's not full Royce Lewis here, but like he is for, full Royce Lewis in the sense that he can bat, he has bat to ball skills and he has the power still. So I, I think there, this team is different 
I think you could talk to almost anyone in the locker room and they would say it would be a disappointment if they just snapped the winning streak and didn't get to the next round. I think there's guys there that believe this is a winner. I think the thing is I understand the reaction people have here because this actually feels like a 5-0 game, even though you have the Polanco home run, right? Even though Lewis actually obviously factors in with the home run. Um, it, it somehow felt like a bigger deficit than 6-4. And I think you mentioned the insurance run probably does some of that. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it, you're going Lopez Gray, and that Gray start is here. Um, uh, they have Valdez. I don't know who the game three starter is. I think that I think the upside is is the Twins will get their two best pitchers here. Um, yeah, I think and, Christian Javier is expected to start that's, that game. Yeah, and then you probably go back to Verlander, Framber. Right? So you know, like it's it's going to yeah, be pretty yeah. tough. Um, but I think I think. I'm of two minds here. If they never scored in this game or they like kind of scratched across a runner, I, you know, I'd go, we, the winning formula isn't what happened in the wild card. Like the, there's a lot of, yeah. first of all, Royce Lewis did all the scoring <laughs> in the first game yeah. and Pablo looked in command. Right. But like, I think he probably wanted to get out of the inning and I don't know if you can bank on him doing literally the exact same thing or surpassing that right against the Astros. Um, so, sure. yeah, and I just think it's even – I think Lopez is an unbelievable pitcher. I think I probably said this at one point. I know I wrote it. That trade was never as bad as people thought. If you just looked a little bit into the – if you look at FIP and WHIP and just in some basic kind of underlying metrics, they'd tell you, like, Lopez is good. They needed pitching. Everyone loves a rise. You had someone to phone for him because with Julian. Um, and mm-hmm. so, like, I think – as much as I'm a fan of Pablo Lopez and think he's really good, like I don't a hundred percent, I think he'll give you a good start. I don't know if it'll be the same. And I looked yep. at that Sonny Gray game in that second one. And I was like, that is a veteran starter who has stuff, who keeps guys guessing and off balance. And yet mm-hmm. he seemed like he was not a high wire act for a while right. there. You know what I mean? Like it always yep. felt like on the vert. And that, to be fair, that is kind of veteran moxie. It's, it's, I know there's a guy on third. I know I got to get two outs here. I'll be fine. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's that comes with being Sonny Gray's age experience, just his raw stuff and how good he is. And so, like, there's some of that. But it's just, like, the Twins formula, I was encouraged to see those four runs, even though it wasn't enough. And yeah. I was discouraged to see three runs, because I think it's a run per inning, right, with over, and I think it's a run per inning, um, right, because it was three innings from over, three runs, and then two two innings, two runs for uh, Maeda. Like, I know they're trying to Frankenstein a pitcher together there, you know what I mean, with yeah, uh, right. to take on Verlander. But, like, I just – that is discouraging. But I think it's actually, like, what it tells me is they actually have legit pitching depth, um, the mm-hmm. Twins do. And – they just need to, you know, they actually, I think they did a lot of good things against Verlander, like just kind of warm out in those first two innings, right? Do you want to ground in a double plays? No, but like run up the pitch count, get to a point where the Houston dugout goes, we might have to remove him. And they did, you know what I mean? And that's where Mm -hmm. kind of the dam broke. And so like, I just think, I think there were actually a lot of positives there. And I think if you take away just that it's a loss that you don't really want to give up six runs uh, in that first game, just how it started. You know what I mean? You, you We yeah. started with the first pitch, right? And there was a lot that right. happened afterwards. It wasn't a 1-0 game. But we did that because that actually set the tone. And that was, hey, guys, I, I actually thought Toronto was a really good team. Um, I thought that was a really like fun series and fun matchup. But like Houston's another level. I don't think it's quite the Yankees. There's something about the Yankees pedigree being in New mm-hmm. York that stadium, but Houston mm-hmm. is as close as you'll get in my mind in the AL. 
and I think this is another kind of dragon to slay, if you will, right? The first one was kind of yeah. the history, right? And I know all these players say, well, we weren't around for this. I know like Falvey and Levine and Rocco would be like, I mean, how much of this can you blame on us? We weren't there in like 06 or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, right. um, it does hang over them. It's it's the opposite of Houston. I think there's people in Houston who go, we're going to a game to go see them win it. We're, you know what I mean? Like the Astros will win this series. I think there's a lot of confidence on that side. And I think the first thing that they did was kind of back up that confidence. And the first thing the twins have to do, and this is probably a lot on Lopez, but it's also, if you're Julian, if you're Polanco, if you're certainly Royce Lewis, like instill doubt in them, right. You know what I mean? Make them think twice about this certainty that, that, Look at how many times we've been to the ALCS. Look at how many times we won the World Series recently. Um, even I think they believe really in their process, right? Because mm-hmm. I think the Houston side, I mean, it's very it's very analytically based. It's very much like they're willing to move on from Crea because they got a guy behind them. You know what I mean? Like it's a mm-hmm. little, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of probably some tough love there and stuff. But like if you're the twins, that's that's kind of the next step. For here, it was don't get blown out 6-0 in the first game. They did not. Right it felt worse than six, four, but like, at least you kind of got some offense going. The next step is instill some doubt in Houston yep. because my guess is the players and fans, they believe that this is just one step on their way to, can we win another world series? Yeah. And I think the twins made a counter strike with that four spot against Hector nearest. We'll talk about that in just a second though. Uh, we got to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. The, the folks over at FanDuel are excited for, us to snap into the postseason, the NFL season, and it's FanDuel, the uh, number one sports book in America. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's place a bet, not win, place. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. There's so many different sports and all kinds of stuff, so whatever's up your alley, you can do and the app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. There's spreads, player props, overs, unders, anything you can imagine under the sun. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and MLB, well, NFL season, MLB postseason. But uh, yeah, FanDuel uh, is the official partner of the NFL. All right. So let's bring this full circle here. Twins, four spot, uh, do all of their scoring in the seventh. I think that was the counter punch, the counter offensive that I think makes it go from abject despair and, you know, what, what could possibly go well in this series to there was at least a brief moment of doubt in that, um, that fan base or that, that stadium of fans where they were silenced a little bit where they're showing pictures of Royce's parents and, you know, the twins have closed it to, within a run. I think that counterpunch coming when it did should help the twins feel and their fans feel a little more confident going into the next one. But yeah, a um, couple things here. Justin Verlander comes out, he's throwing 93 pitches and they say, all right, buddy, you're done. Um, then the, uh, the paddock goes one, two, three uh, and nearest comes out, hits Walner. You got a Jeffers single, Strikeout, strikeout, then Polanco with just a, a bomb to right. Uh, Royce Lewis follows with one to the other direction. And then Kepler doubles. Um, at, at that point, you know, I think 
it was still kind of like, you know, they're they're going to be okay. But I, I do kind of wonder if there was any second guessing taking, taking Verlander out there. Again, 93 pitches, you're not going to push him as hard and all that fun stuff. But um, at the same time, too, like the Twins are not usually on the side of, all right, pitcher gets taken out and the reliever gets blown up. Usually the Twins are the pitching side in that equation. It was, it was at least it made the game uh, palpable from the Minnesota side. Like it wasn't just a complete laugher. Yeah. I, I mean, I think first of all, like if you've tracked the Twins at all in the regular season, I think the conclusion is Rocco didn't trust like Bundy and Archer and these guys because they were kind of on their last legs. You know what I mean? And like, yep when you filled out a staff and, you know, I kind of wrote about this, like I understand why we think of the, the playoff curse, right. The streak as a curse. And there were some weird things that happened during it, but like, also it's just weird to lose that many games, but like a lot of it is like Felvin Levine went out and got pitching. And I know that's mm-hmm. like simple and then got a shortstop. Right. But if you look at it, yep. like Guzman left in Oh four and that was the last time they won a playoff series. Right. And like, the other thing is that I think you do want to see a home ground pitching. Now I would say over success, even though Varland's not starting, like the fact that you can have a guy like that um, where they drafted him success. They've also had some on the hitting side. You go to Ed Julian and stuff like that, but um, in Cleveland, they traded for pitching, you know what I mean? And maybe this is the mm-hmm. first phase. Maybe the second phase is more homegrown, um, but like you have to take these risks, the Gratterals, the arise, the, Nelson Cruz was a very popular player when they traded him. You know what I mean? And I think what it did to enable Rocco to trust his guys. You know what I mean? And I don't blame him for the over Maeda thing. I actually think that's a smart way to use two starters. And I still think of Maeda starter, even though he is coming out of the bullpen, right? And he has a history of doing that in the Dodgers. But I kind of think of Paddock that same way. To some extent, I even kind of think of Louis Varlin like that too. So, like, Mm -hmm. I think they... Um, yeah, you know, he can trust, he can trust these guys a little bit more. And I think here's the thing. There is a way to justify what the blue Jays did in that second wildcard game. I don't think it was the right move. I think baseball is feel in addition to the underlying numbers. Um, and I understand the strategy of, of, you know, righty lefty and essentially messing with the, the twins lineup and then turn around and throwing the, the best righty relievers at them. Um, but I think the Verlander one is so much more justified. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Barrios was humming, and actually in that second game, it felt like the Twins just reverted back to the old Twins, where it's like, well, here's an old friend mowing them down, and it's quiet again, and everyone's tense, and everyone's worried about the Twins again. <laughs> it was like, it's like you didn't even get like a full 24 hours, you know, to like enjoy it or whatever. But I think um, this felt more like, hey, um, did you lose me there for a second? No, I have you. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, they're just they're being responsible with a pitcher Verlander's age, knowing he's got to go back and take game four if it you know if they get there. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're Houston, you have to trust the bullpen. You know what I mean? Like they have capable guys there. Having said that, I mean huge, huge momentum swing there. Where like, um, you think how this goes? Like Walner gets hit by a pitch, which I just call Walner walk. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that guy kind of crowds the plate and he's, he's very familiar. And I, it, it, obviously like everyone's thankful that he is like what Rocco said, he's, his bones are made of cement or whatever, but um, <laughs> he's by, hit by pitch. Jeffers does his thing. I, I've been impressed with Jeffers all year. Um, 
Castro strikes out looking. I think I think once you have Julian strike out, you know what I mean? That's like that's one of these guys kind of bulge when that happens, right? Because he's such a disciplined hitter. I think he has been as disciplined um in the postseason as he's been in the regular season. I think that mm-hmm. is by far the strength of his game, right? I know he has some power. I know he's def- he's got a little better defensively. Uh, but I think like that's his superpower is controlling the zone and like to see him strike out, you think ah, this, you know, the the early stuff's a waste. And I think for Polanco to do this, also like think about it. This is a guy in Kepler the same way. They've been in the organization since 2009. You know what I mean? Like as 16 year olds, like this is, they have worked to get to this point. Um, and mm-hmm. so like, it's just fun to see a guy that, and then for Lewis, to, you know, just tack on, I mean, you could, you could see it spiraling. And I think the unfortunate thing with the Kirloff one is like, I think Kirloff has been like Julian actually in that they're both obviously very disciplined hitters. Kirloff obviously has worked on that swing since he was a kid. Um, but I think it seemed like he had something going right. That he was controlling the strike zone. I think he's done this. He did this in the Toronto series too. Like he's been very disciplined with two strikes. And I just, at some point, maybe that's just a nasty pitch. You know what I mean? I probably have to see it again, but like it sucks. Cause like, it looks terrible. You know what I mean? When you're just, when you're just watching it, you're like, how does the guy swing at it when it, when it ends up down there? But, um, that was probably the moment because it feels like if you don't fully kind of capture the moment and, 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 um, and take advantage of it, like you are still in Houston, right? You know, you're still playing an advanced mm-hmm. team. This is not, Houston will not spiral for very long because of their track record for success. So I think that happens. And I think it's one of those things that goes back to like, Hey, everyone chill out just for a second. Like ultimately, if you get a good start from Lopez and and some semblance of offense, it's a winnable game. And all of a sudden we're thinking very differently about this series as it comes back to Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, for sure. No, I definitely agree with that. Before we bring things to a wrap with a quick look at game two. I do want to ask you, so Twins go Ober, Maeda, Paddock, Theobar, Pagan. Is there anything you would have done differently pitching-wise? The, the one that I come back to that people were like, well, Theobar, because, you know, Jordan yeah. hits lefties so well, but he hits yeah. righties well. Like, you have to throw somebody. And if you look at Theobar for the year, now, again, I know he missed a bulk, the bulk of the season, but lefties were six for 47 against him with 14 strikeouts, no walks, and all seven of the home runs he allowed this season were to right-handed hitters. So he hadn't allowed a home run to a lefty all season. Everybody gets tied up in one split or another, but you you have to realize that if two guys with really good splits go against each other, one person with good splits is going to lose. And so that was what happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see someone say, well, why not go with one of your best guys, you know, go get – um, Brock Stewart for that spot. And I wouldn't have hated mm. that. But at the same time, too, Theobar's numbers matter. So I don't think I would have done anything differently with the starter. I still think I would have gone with Bailey Ober. Uh, mm-hmm. I had no problem with Kenta coming out next. And then Paddock, Theobar, Pagan. To me, that was pretty much how to manage a game where um, you never felt super in it, even though by runs you were within a run and then two runs at the end. Yeah, I mean, first to lead into Theobar here, I think the paddock usage is really good. I kind of was curious yeah. what his bullpen yeah. role would be. Again, it goes back to I guess you threw three starters at him, right? Because you can do that in the playoffs, and then, but like it is impressive that paddock. I understand. Again, this goes back to like, what a funny, funny, funny trade. Like I think we'll be talking about that for the next like two or three years because oh, like yeah, for sure. Pagan, Pagan looked bad, and you know, like 
what's his name started out really well with the A's this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just like it, the fact that it involved here, Rod, all this stuff, like, um, I think the, listen, like this is another guy who's kind of making some, a little money for himself or whatever is like kind of paying off his contract, I guess. And in, in the yep. playoffs, like Paddock has a really interesting role and I think he's been used well. I don't have any issue with deal bar. Here's the thing. I don't think, uh, any moments too big for Brock Stewart. And I think it's the same reason as steel bar. I think when you mm-hmm. are 30 plus and like, it's, you got to do it because like Stewart's been through injury stuff. Mm-hmm. Theo bar has like, they're just not Theo bars. Career is incredible. The fact that yeah. Milwaukee kind of got rid of him. He came from the old saints that right, the, the indie ball saints mm-hmm. signed off that by the twins then is gone for like five years and right. reappears. And I mean, it's, inc- I think he'd say that too. Like this, it's just incredible, but I don't think the, I think that guy just, instead of thinking like, oh, I'm going to mess up in a big moment, he's just going like, man, I got to do this now, you know? And I think that sense of urgency is good to have in a player. And I think Theobar is capable. And I think um, it's an unfortunate result. I don't think there's anything wrong with going with Brock Stewart. I guess if, if it's beyond the righty lefty part, which is important, if you're just kind of looking at mentality of the player, like, I think Brock Stewart's going to be fine. Brock Stewart, like, has not pitched very recently, right? At the very least, mm-hmm. Steel Bar is kind of, like, I understand why you'd marginally trust him more. Um, and, yeah, I just, I don't think that, here's the thing, I don't think it's that big of an issue because you actually should be able to co- overcome a two-run deficit at that point. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. and I think as much as you saw four runs from this team, it kind of, ha- you know, it literally happened in, in two separate at-bats, functionally back-to-back at-bats. Like, mm-hmm. They need to generate. I understand Houston's pitching is good. They need to generate more offense, and, and so mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't think that's a. It's a devastating mistake if that game com, comes unwound. It is literally one run, and and given uh, you know how talented I guess the 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 lineup is or is supposed to be, like right. the Twins should be able to produce that run. So I, I don't hate it. I could I could see Brock Stewart there. I will say this shout out to Emilio Pagan. Like imagine telling people like. You know what I mean? Last year <laughs> that he'd be in that spot. And I think um not with the twins, twins, I would say. They would yeah, say like yeah, yeah. or something. And to be fair, even like Kepler having that double, right? You know yeah. what I mean? And like putting yeah. it in position where if Kirloff lays off that pitch, maybe you know, you get multiple runners on and you can get something going, or Kirloff, if he's able to rope one of those, like you score him. So I you know, this is like it's very funny to think like where the twins were at the deadline you know what i mean and we're like they need mm-hmm. another reliever and what and i actually think it's perfectly fair to go that was a weird deadline you know like the dylan floro thing didn't work out and unfortunately actually like lopez didn't work out that that just that whole thing was kind of a mess and then like but like the bullpen actually rounded out like the fact that you have this kind of depth where i don't think ideally they would like to start over against verlander i, I think that's pretty straightforward yeah, but right. like but it's not like, quite Vance Worley in 2013, but it's still at a disadvantage. Or Brian Dunsing, or yeah. or it, it, God yeah, bless yeah. Brian Dunsing, but like Dunsing or Randy Dominic, these are players everyone here loves. But like yeah. this, it, it over is a different level. But it's like mm-hmm. you can put a patchwork group of pitchers there. It did not work perfectly. I think like you want over in Miami to give up fewer than five runs, but like yeah, in the past and even the way it looked coming off a 15-2 loss to Baltimore, right? Going into the All-Star break. Like, Mm -hmm. and that was not far removed from, like, the Atlanta series. That was a disaster. Like, you're in the, at that point, you're in the middle of the Joe Ryan, kind of like his his swoon and stuff. Like, 
I think it's worth thinking about that for a second, especially as we get into the series, because it is. Dis- Here's the thing: it's disappointing if this team loses to Houston because they can beat them. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. the ultimate. And I'm not saying they will. And and the, and Houston has an advantage in that how much they've had success in the playoffs. But like, man, if you you know, I think they put something together. This is the Twins are both very funny, like kind of America's team because I think everyone outside of Houston kind of hates the Astros, and I think yeah. people can get on board with the Twins given given it's like. The twins are a very likable team, like as a brand, but also the you know the players and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. if your team's not in it, I think you get on board with the twins. And like if you're that team, you have to have these little engine that code games. And it was almost that, you know what I mean? Where it's it's over in Verlander, you gotta figure out how to do it. That narrative should flip immediately, where it's like if you steal the one with Lopez, you have Greg going at home and you can completely change the dynamic of that. And so you have to move on from being kind of the the little engine that could to like a legitimate locomotive. And I think, you know, we won't know about that until we see the result tomorrow. So they'll get Fromber Valdez in the second game. And we've seen Fromber a fair amount here. 29-year-old lefty, big ground ball stuff. Uh, good pitcher, did not uh, did not do too poorly this year. And um, it, it's going to be a challenge. You know, he's, uh, again, grounders, grounders, grounders. If you pound it into the ground, uh, double plays, that sort of thing, that could be frustrating. But uh, what we will see almost certainly is going to be a Rocco special with Donovan Solano batting leadoff or Kyle Farmer batting fifth. And then things will change mm-hmm. as Dusty goes to the bullpen without the benefit of a lefty because he doesn't have any lefties in the bullpen. So it will be definitely a line shift kind of game, a hockey style game where line one plays until Fromber calls comes out. Uh, if the Twins can knock him around, all the better. But um, it's going to be a tough one. What are you expecting in game two? Because uh, this is do or die. I mean, yes, you mm-hmm. can come back 2-0. It's not impossible. It's happened. It happens actually probably fairly frequently if we were to look at it statistically compared to what you'd expect. However, 2-0 is daunting. All you need is one small thing to go wrong in a game at home, and it's over. What are you looking for on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, obviously super important, and they'd want Lopez going here, right? Um, So you have the right guy in the right spot, and that's a good place to, to begin. As you said, I, I don't think like 2-0 is over. It's just you, you just give yourself no margin for error. Um, and yeah. I think instead of playing that game, I think it's a lot of like – I think of Lopez early in the season. This still happened a little bit. You know, he, he kind of got, got babipped, right? You know what I mean? We'd be like, he was doing fine, wasn't he, until the fifth inning? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, like the ball just kind of squirreled its way into the outfield. And I think there's no way, obviously, to control perfectly where you're going to hit the ball. But I think it's just – it's more like – they're going to have to this this kind of wonky lineup uh, for the Twins is going to have to generate opportunities because the only way to bab up a, a pitcher, the only way to create luck for yourself is just creating good contact. I mean, I, I think it was Castro had like a the ball came off at like 102.9 miles per hour. Right. And, and like late in the game. And I think like it was just snared by the second baseman and like that'll happen. But I think especially against a guy like this, it's like, yeah, you're certainly this team is susceptible to double plays. They were in this game specifically. They were at times um, in the regular season. The flip side of that is like, I think Solano will give you a good at bat. Like Kyle Farmer has been like a really fascinating player to me because that felt like a low wattage move. And actually Solano did too. But like Mm -hmm. Farmer is not, I think Solano's turned out to be a better player, right? And I think Castro's been like a better story. Like it's hard not to like a guy who hustles and plays like Willie Castro, but 
Farmer is a professional hitter and a, and a veteran. Like, um, I think everything he's done so far is calculated. Him going out and saying, like, hey, we're going to take this series. I think the way he approaches at bats and even just how he is defensively, like, um, I think you have guys who will take professional at bats. And I think my hope is as they get into late innings, and obviously kind of depends on how um, Houston deploys their bullpen, but hopefully you have Julian and Kirloff and obviously Lewis and some of these guys like in high leverage spots, because those are the guys who are going to work counts and like assure that they will get their barrel on to the extent they can. And like, um, it's, this is game is going to be like pulling teeth. I think, you know what I mean? There was like it, the, the first one wasn't necessarily exciting, but there were like 10 runs scored. You know what I mean? And there were like kind of momentum swings. I think this is going to be kind of a tug of war. You know what I mean? And it's kind of whichever team slips is going to um, go home. And I think it'll feel actually a lot like those Toronto games. This first one felt like an outlier. I think this yep. is going to feel like those first two Toronto games were like, as much as it's funny that first one actually felt steady throughout it. The second one you're sitting there going, man, like Sonny's one bad pitch away from this falling apart. Um, and I think that's how it's going to be. So look, they've won games like this before. I do think the veteran in the, the veterans in the clubhouse matter. And I think the, the fact that the, the mentality of the young players, you know, you think of, I still think of Kirilov as a relatively young player, how he approaches at bats, how Julian mm-hmm. does, um, the fact that Royce Lewis, I think, is just convinced he's going to do something good at any good point. You know, I think that that is going to be crucial in this game because I think otherwise you can you can wear yourself out in a game like this. Because, I again, I, th- I think it's something like a 2-1, you know what I mean? Kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a tense. I mean, this is what playoff baseball is about, right? That it's going to be right. tense throughout and that um, that, you know, I think both clubs win or lose will probably go back to the dugout kind of exhausted mentally from, from how this game will go. Well, that's all you ask for as a fan. Uh, Yeah, well, time to regroup. Got game two on Sunday. We'll see what the Twins have, what it'll look like as they come back home for early this week for game three at Target Field. But he's Tom Schreier. I'm Brandon Moore. This has been Locked on Minnesota and the Twins postcast. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you after game two. Peace.